everybody. It's day 37 in our 40-day tour through the Gospel of John. Welcome. The story is getting so serious as it develops now. The plot is thickening and there's no turning back. We're in John chapter 18, verses 28 to 40. I want to start in verse 33, though. Jesus has asked a simple but profoundly important question. Are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? I don't know what it is about kings and queens, about royalty that captures our imaginations as Americans, but it does. It's built into our founding documents that we won't have royalty, that we won't have kings and queens. Maybe that's why we're so enamored by the drama surrounding royal families. I mean, even Oprah's involved now, and and, and social debates rage, and, and we pick sides over the, over the Queen Elizabeth family, royal family controversy. The Fairy tales that we tell and that we share and, and we famously know tell rags to riches stories that reveal our childlike goals that maybe the dream would be someday we could live in a palace and we could have all of the fortune and the fame and, and the authority and the power that comes with it. There's the king, Elvis Presley, and all the, the Elvis impersonators who claim to be the king. <laughs> I was thinking of doing an Elvis impersonation right there, but I'm just going to move on. There's the king of pop the late, great Michael Jackson, there's Prince, there's Queen Latifah, uh, there's the King of Queens and the Crown TV shows, there's the Tiger King, don't recommend that one, there's the Lion King and Simba singing, I just can't wait to be king. There are high schools that have homecoming weeks and they crown a king or a queen, their homecoming king or queen. This is the crown that our oldest son wore, the crown our middle son wore, the crown that our daughter wore. We have a small dynasty of homecoming kings and queens in our household, and that in a quarter will get you everything that a quarter can buy you. It's fun for a night, and then, you know, you wake up the next morning and everything's back to normal and you just move on. Little known trivia fact for, our, for my loyal listeners to this podcast, in our original householder household of five, everybody was crowned a homecoming king or queen except for one of us. <laughs> doesn't matter who that one was, but I'm sure the vote was close. That's what I tell myself. It makes me feel better. Kings and Queens, it's, it's, a, it's a fun kind of imaginative thing. It captures our hearts. And so when there's this dialogue going on in John 18 that Jesus is being asked as he's a king, it's kind of a new one. I mean, we got a glimpse of it in John chapter 12 as Jesus enters into the holy city on Palm Sunday and spontaneously a big crowd pulls down palm branches and palm branches and praises him as their new king. They're hopeful that he'll be like King David from a thousand years before and, and he will empower Israel to, to wipe out all of their enemies, maybe to overcome the Roman Empire, and maybe to, to clean up the temple and to make right everything that's gone wrong religiously. But they need to think bigger. Jesus is a king and he is ushering in a kingdom, but it's a way bigger kingdom than what appears to be the biggest that it could be. Look closer at this story and you'll see it. Here's Pontius Pilate who's got power. He's being given the authority by Tiberius Claudius, uh, Emperor the Caesar Augustus, to exact uh, executions upon anybody he wants in the territory that Pilate reigns over as governor. But Pilate ultimately doesn't have any power that isn't given to him by the emperor, by Caesar. Same thing with King Herod. It's probably worth noting that King Herod is really only an honorary king. He's not really a king. He's a tetrarch. And any power he has comes from the only one who really is the king in the Roman Empire, the Caesar. 
In fact, Caesar Augustus is deemed divine by many and considered a god, and those who had a contrary opinion, it would be wise that they best keep it to themselves or they could be executed. That's power. But power has been given from this emperor, this Caesar Augustus, to Pilate so that Pilate can say thumbs up or thumbs down on Jesus' life. He can say either you're set free or you're nailed to a cross. So Pilate walks into the room, walks into this trial, walks into this question. So I hear you think you're a king, but crowds hailed you as a king just a few days ago on what we call Palm Sunday today as you entered into Jerusalem. So I hear rumors that people say you're a king. Are you a king? Jesus' response is brilliant. He says it without saying it, but John's gospel makes it clear as he quotes Jesus. Jesus is saying, yes, I am a king and I'm bringing a kingdom, but Pilate, you don't understand it. You can't touch it. Jesus isn't intimidated at all by Pontius Pilate. And the more this story develops, the more you start to see that movement. By the end, in tomorrow's episode, as we move into John 19, Pontius Pilate is going to go from indifferent, wanting nothing to do with Jesus, having pity on Jesus, to being intimidated and in great fear that something is happening that's way bigger than him here. And he's absolutely right. It's bigger than Pilate. It's bigger than the honorary King Herod. It's bigger than the high priest Caiaphas and all the other priests who were probably eavesdropping right outside of the walls of this chamber where Jesus is put on trial. The reason they're not coming inside of the room is probably highly offensive to Pilate. At least it's utterly annoying. Verse 28 tells us of our Bible reading, John 18, it says that his accusers, the religious priests, the high priest Caiaphas and the others didn't go inside Pilate's room because it would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate their Passover. Remember, it's Passover time. And so here's Jesus, the Passover lamb, who's there to take away the sins of the world. It's a sacrifice for the sins of the world. What appears to be power in this world Jesus is coming to set straight. He's not at all intimidated. He knows exactly why he's here, and he has a mission to fulfill. He's not here to seek some sort of plastic crown or even the real kind of crown that Caesar Augustus could wear, Queen Elizabeth II could wear. The opening credits to the crown series on Netflix come to mind with all the music and the crown moving around. Here's the crown that Jesus wears. You've got to be careful how you hold this. And he wears it willingly out of love for you and for me and for this world in all times and in all places. He wears this crown as our Passover lamb. He wears this crown and he goes to his throne, the cross, because he's a different kind of king and he's ushering in a different kind of kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Do you know the power of that prayer that we pray over and over again in the Lord's prayer? We're praying thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God. The lyrics of the famous hallelujah chorus, but those are a quote of Revelation 15, 11. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah the kingdom of our God and of his king, the king of all kings. He shall reign forever and ever on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus knows exactly the kind of king he is. So the irony of the sign that they'll nail to his cross, the king of the Jews. Well, he is, but he's not just the king of the Jews. He is the king if we're faithful, if we're wise enough to see it. He's the king of you and me too. 
Oh, it's tempting. It's tempting for Caiaphas, the highest religious leader in the world in Jesus' day. It's tempting for the worldly governing powers of Pilate, of King Herod, of, of the Caesar, of anybody else who's given any kind of power. Any of us who've given any kind of worldly power. It's tempting to think that's the ultimate thing. It couldn't get any bigger than that. And if we aren't careful, we let religion become about that too. We let our spiritual journeys become about that. But when good religion gets hijacked by worldly kingdom thinking, it immediately becomes bad religion. People might skeptically say, can there even really be anything, any such thing as good religion? Oh, there absolutely is. Good religion is love, not hate. Good religion is serving others rather than trying to consume things from others. Good religion is asking the question first, what's in this for you instead of what's in this for me? Good religion is mercy and forgiveness and grace for others instead of if you do me wrong, I'm going to seek to destroy you and dismiss you and get you removed and canceled. Good religion is an honest confession, a humble confession of our sin that we all have rather than a self-righteous, moral, spiritual pride that claims to have no sin. Which of those sounds more like the way of the world these days? Is it claiming to have no sin, that we're just fine exactly the way we are, and we're sure that God blesses that? Or a humble confession before the king of all kings, who brings in a new kind of kingdom, a kingdom of love, not hate, a kingdom of unity, not division, a kingdom that puts the needs of others before the needs of ourselves. When we let this king and his kingdom become the thing that we pledge our highest allegiance to, it starts to set us free. It is the truth that sets us free. Jesus says in verse 37, I'm coming to testify to the truth. And Pilate asks, well, what is truth? I am the truth, Jesus says in John 14, verse 6. And I now stand before you. Pilate is underestimating Jesus, but he won't by the end of the story. He sees him as a pitiful man, broken from the wrong side of the tracks, from Galilee, not even a native of the holy city of Jerusalem, no power. Uh, The crowds that were following him have now abandoned him, and they're starting to turn against him. They want Pilate to release Barabbas instead of Jesus. What is truth, Jesus? With all due respect, Jesus is saying, I have way bigger fish to fry. The goal of my kingdom is not to rise up to worldly authority and power and to move into palaces and to live lives of fame and fortune in this world. It is far more eternal than that. I came to testify to this truth. I am truth, Jesus says, and I am a king bringing in a whole new kind of kingdom. Put your faith and your trust in this king and in his kingdom. We're almost there. He's leading us to his throne. He's putting on his crown. And God's love is about to be poured out for you. And it's going to change everything. Glory to God in the highest. Glory means heaven touches earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We'll pick it up there tomorrow. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there.